And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For tonight's podcast episode, it's just going to be me flying solo tonight. Uh, but before I get into tonight's topics, I just want to go on ahead and say this, a little disclaimer. Um, I am going to be talking about the incident that happened with Alec Baldwin on the set of Rust. I'm going to go on ahead and talk about what Brendan Lee's uh, family talked about as well. Brendan Lee is also the actor that played the crow and he actually got killed on the set of The Crow. So, with further ado, let's go on ahead and dive into this thing. So, as everybody knows, last week, um, Alec Baldwin accidentally shot somebody on the set of the movie Rust. And he ended up injuring the director and also to the cinematographer. He actually injured the, um, the cinematographer. But... The thing that I really feel bad about the most is the fact that there was someone that ended up dying because of what happened with this prop gun because of the fact that Alec Baldwin was the one who fired the gun, but he didn't even know the fact that this prop gun was even loaded with a real bullet or anything like that. And I just feel bad for the family. I feel bad that this happened on the set of Rust. Incidents like this happens rarely but it does happen sadly but you know there's things that happen within this uh whole entire thing As a matter of fact people are wondering about if i'm ever going to be talking about it and there was like a lot of stuff that came out that i wasn't sure about just yet or anything like that i wanted to get a little bit more detail before i went on ahead and started talking about this so Here's the thing. The Russ Armour's lawyers offered new loaded gun timeline. They say live round could have been a sabotage. Now, this is coming from Variety. And Jason Bells and Robert uh, Groens, the attorneys for Rust, Armour, Hannah uh, Gutierrez, I believe that's how you say his name, Reed spoke on the Today Show Wednesday morning to propose a clearer timeline about how a live round got on the set. Bells also brought up the new defense that someone may have sabotaged the set. We're assuming somebody put the live round in that box, which if you think about that, the person who put the live round in the box of dummy rounds had to have the purpose of sabotaging the set. The sabotage set, a statement made anchor Savannah Gultier pause and clarity, but uh, clarify and asking, is that your theory of the case that someone intentionally placed a live round into a box of dummies for the purpose of ending up in a weapon that would be used on set. And this is what they both said. We don't have a theory yet. We're in, we are investigating and we're trying to get all the facts. That's one of the possibilities, Bao said. And then when Gotora pressed further, Bao said, I believe that somebody who would do that would want to sabotage the set, want to prove a point, want to say that they're disgruntled, they're unhappy, and we know that people had walked off the set the day before. When asked if crew member uh, could have tampered, Bao said, I think you can't, can't rule anybody out at this point. We know there was a live round in a box of dummy rounds that shouldn't have been there. We have people who had left the set and who had walked out because they were disgruntled disgruntled we have a time frame between 11 a.m and 1 p.m approximately that day in which the firearms at times were unattended so there was a, a promptly to there was actually an opportunity to tamper with the scene uh Gruens added that uh that was completely unattended at all times giving someone access and opportunity gross reed wasn't able to keep an eye on the firearms during that time period Rowan said because she had another duty and responsibility as key props assistant. And so she had gone to that day right after she had provided the handgun to assistant director Dave Halls. So Mr. Halls took custody of the weapon. And at that point, she was uh, doing her other duties as key prop assistant. In New York Times report later on Wednesday, Gruen's further obligated as to why the gun was unattended. He told the Times that around 11 a.m. Grotius Reed loaded the three firearms to be used later that day during filming, including the firearm in question. She put the guns in stock, a tactic used to stop others from tampering with them, and went to, on lunch break, leaving them unattended. Was there duty to safeguard them 24-7, Grunts said to the Times? The answer is no, because there were no live rounds. And so that's coming from The Hollywood Reporter. 
as far as that report goes. And here's the thing. It's one thing to say, oh, somebody tampered with the bullets. Someone tampered with this to sabotage the set. And at that point, you're becoming, a, I'm going to be honest with you, it makes you feel like you're a conspiracy theorist in a sense. You're going based on theory versus what's on fact that somebody's out there to sabotage a set versus um, just going on legal documentation of what happened and everything. And that's just not the way to go about it. To me, they should have waited until further evidence was uh, conclusive in order to make that deal, in order for that to actually happen. But another thing, too, that I really feel like that uh, I need to touch on, though, as well, is the fact that, you know, I feel bad for Alec Baldwin. I feel bad that this happened to him. I feel bad that I'm even talking about this. I wish that the filming was still going on for Rust. This is a small indie project. Also, too, from what I gathered and what I heard, and everything in the news reports was that you had other people um, that were actually walking off the set because of the fact that the production team for Rust, they weren't getting along that well. And also, too, they also had some incidents um, on other set pieces, I believe. But still, you know, you, you're having this con you're having this thing where people, one person's walking off the set and having having that happen but you know i just feel so bad that this is happening alec baldwin also was hitting back at reports allegating that there were a number of safety concerns on rust prior to the final fatal shooting of hala hutchins on tuesdays baldwin shared a message from custom designer therese of mag mag pale davis that called claims of chaotic working condition conditions bull shit i'm so sick of the this narrative davis began in a lengthy facebook post which baldwin re reposted i worked on the movie the story be, uh, being spun of us being overworked and surrounded by unsafe chaotic conditions are bullshit and her post davis slammed the crew members who walked off the set over safety on safety and financial issues saying they that they are not heroes and call them jerks. She claimed the pro producers were approached and warned. She said concerns were heard and addressed. Davis has also defended the hiring of the armor Hannah Grotius Reed, one of the two crew members at the center of the shooting. Baldwin, who stars and and produces, who is also a producer on Rust, took several screenshots of the message, which he posted on his personal Instagram page. It can be read. Um, I, I don't know if that if it can be so read or anything like that, but a 63-year-old actor publicly addressed the tragedy for the first time on Saturday. She was a friend, Baldwin said, and Hutchins, the day I, I arrived in Santa Fe to start shooting, I took her to dinner with Joel, the director. Souza was a, wounded with Baldwin accidentally firing the prop gun during rehearsal. Now, here's the thing. I, with this situation... You have Alec Baldwin, who made his first real, basically his real first statement since firing the firearm, since accidentally killing somebody on the set, and since um, also, too, injuring somebody who was a director on the set. And so my thing is this. He should have been very careful at doing this, because then you can also wind up saying, hey, he could be a potential um, he could actually be a potential um, suspect in this whole entire thing altogether. Even though he's not mean to be a suspect, it could wind up being where he's going to be a suspect because of the way that he is presenting it. Even though he doesn't, he's not meaning to. It's just that the way the cops proceed with things, the way that people are listening in, it could dial it into where he could be a potential wit. Uh, potential suspect without even meaning to be a suspect but that's why i feel like he shouldn't have went to social media with this i understand that he's dealing with the struggle of accidentally killing somebody with a prop gun i understand that he's dealing with the emotional damage of that family not having that other person around anymore and also to injuring the director for uh rust as well 
And I understand that he wanted to be out and open and publicly talking about it because the more you talk about something, the better off you are. But I feel like in this way, I feel like that he should have went to psychiatry a little bit, got some self-help with that to be able to help with his coping versus going to social media and posting something like that to make it look like, in a sense, that he's a suspect, even though he's not a suspect, and just talking in that kind of context makes you know, the cops might raise an eyebrow or two because of that. But still, I believe Alec Baldwin's innocent. I don't think he didn't mean to do this. You can tell that he didn't mean to do this. Alec Baldwin is 100% innocent when it comes down to this. It's just about finding out who did this. And it's just sad to be able to see something like this happen and know that this happened. And also, too, I want to go on ahead and talk about this as well is the fact that Brandon Lee's family reacts to Alec Baldwin's prop gun shooting accident, which is our main topic for the night. And also, too, I want to mention this. I'm not just covering Alec Baldwin, not the sh prop gun shooting. I am going to be doing something um, after I get done covering this. So if you're expecting something more uplifting, a little bit more of the movie news and something more exciting, that's going to happen in a few minutes. But I feel like in my heart that I need to cover this and so anyways, Brandon Lee's family ends up reacting to Alec Baldwin's prop gun shooting accident. And the family of Brandon Lee, an actor who was killed during filming of The Crow in 1993, is speaking out about the tragedy that hit Russ on the movie set on Thursday when Alec Baldwin discharged a prop gun that killed cinematographer Hala Hutchins. A tweet from Lee's official Twitter account, which is run by his sister Shannon, on Thursday reads, Our hearts go out to the family of... Helena, Helena, and Hutchins, and to Joel Sousa, all involved in the incident on Rust. No one should ever be killed by a gun on, on a film set, period. The tweet also included a broken heart emoji. Brandon Lee is the son of the late martial arts legend Bruce Lee. Brandon died at the age of 28 uh, on March 31st, 1993, while filming the Wilmington, North Carolina, and Wilmington, North Carolina, for the movie *The Crow*, and even though *The Crow* is one of my favorite all-time movies that I'll continue to watch over and over again because I love *The Crow*, but it's just sad that Brandon Lee passed away because of the same kind of circumstances that happened with Alec Baldwin accidentally firing a prop, a gun prop, and. Uh, taking someone else's lo uh, life, and then Brandon, and then of course the incident on the crow set, so uh, with someone putting a loaded gun, uh, bullet into the chamber of the gun when Brandon Lee went on ahead and pulled the trigger, and it winded up killing him. I just feel bad that something like this happened, and I feel like this. We live in a day and age where I feel like CGI could have been better about a better substitute for a handgun rather than having the actual handgun on the set. There's other ways to go about doing action scenes now that are 100% safer. You, I understand you can go for, you want practical effects. I totally understand that. But when it comes down to firearms, when it comes to firearm safety, when it comes down to everything, I just feel like that they could do an action scene using a CGI gun. It doesn't take away from the movie at all. We're, we have better technology than what we ever had before. I feel like that that's the way to go about it. If they want to go on ahead and start doing more action scenes, start doing things with guns and stuff, is just use your use CGI, use special effects when you have while you have them and stuff, because of the so the way you don't have something like this happen again. I just feel bad for the family members of the uh, cinematographer for the life that is no longer the person is no longer there with them and of course the family that has to go through this tragedy and also with alec baldwin now going through this as well and it's just saddening to see this and also too i want to point this out is this um alec baldwin also released his first statement like i said before according to the the actual um the discharge of the prop gun on the set of the uh, of his new Western killing one of the film's members and injuring another. The shooting unfolded Thursday afternoon during the filming of Rust in New Mexico and left cinematographer Haley Hutchkins dead and injured director Joel Sousa. 
And this is what he said. There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Hela Huskins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. Baldwin tweeted Friday morning, I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred, and I am in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband, their son, and all who knew and loved Helena. So, you know, Alec is 100% apologetic, even though he can't take that life back or anything like that. Even though those things have happened, he still feels bad. He's shocked over it. He wished that this wouldn't even had happened in the first place. And like I said, I think that the best way to go about doing something like this whenever it comes down to action scenes or doing stuff with guns is going ahead, get CGI, going ahead, get yourself something set up to where you don't have to use a real gun anymore, a real prop gun to where you don't have actors misfiring a hot firearm. You don't have misplacement of bullets or anything like that. Even let's say if someone did sabotage the set on purpose, someone should have went on ahead and double checked the gun again, just to make sure that everything was running smoothly instead of uh, people assuming that the gun is safe whenever it's not safe. They should have double checked it more clearly instead of it just being, okay, no one messed with it or anything like that. There's no tampering. I already checked it once. We're good to go. Let's start filming versus let's go on ahead and check this out again. Even though I already checked it, I want to make sure this is actually safe for the actor and also for everybody else on the set of this film that I'm doing. And I think that that's what should have happened. But instead, it winds up being being this way, sadly. But I like, here's the thing. I respect the fact that Brandon Lee's, uh, Brandon Lee's family members are reaching out and also to th having a loving hand on the family of the cinematographer that passed away of her family and saying, look, we've been through the same situations before. There should have been better ways of handling this than what we had in the past. You would think because of the loss and death of my brother, they should have handled better protocols than what they do now. But it seems like they're still having the same protocols that they had before, sadly. But, you know, these things kind of happen. I wish that they didn't, like I mentioned before. I know I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit. But, I mean, what else can you really say other than the fact is that this is an accident. This is something that nobody expected to happen. This is a sad situation at a bad place. And I know that Alec wish, wishes that this wouldn't have happened either. And I just wish that he would have reserved himself a little bit more when it came down to the whole entire social media stuff. Matter of fact, he actually went private recently. I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact, hey, look, I don't want to go on ahead and be on social media anymore and people just trash talk me or if it's the fact, okay, I'm giving myself some private time, I'm reestablishing and refocusing in on certain things and I need to take a break from social media. So therefore I'm going to go private temporarily until this investigation is over with which is understandable in this situation. Also too, maybe he's seeking counseling. Maybe that's also another good option. Maybe he's going black for a little bit just to go ahead and, you know, get some counseling done, go on ahead and re rethink his thoughts and everything. So there's just a million things that might be going through his mind. Also to the family as well. I just feel bad. Like I said before, that this happened but anyways uh let's go on ahead and talk uh, talk about something a little bit more happier and it's the fact that we have taika watiti is in talks to direct the disney um uh, disney tower disney's tower of terror film and this is something that i'm ex i'm excited for i remember when um we, we actually had black widow herself scarlett johansson attached to do this film to produce this film and now it looks like Taika Waititi's doing it. Uh, but let me go on ahead and read the report. Then I'll go into some speculations and stuff like that. But Disney has reportedly found a director for the upcoming Tower of Terror film. And it's none other than Taika Waititi. And according to the recent report from The Dislender, Waititi will take over to direct the film based on the iconic Disney amusement park ride. Scarlett Johansson was pre previously announced 
to be starring and producing the film, with a script to come from Academy Award winner jo- Josh Cooley. While, jo- while Johnson, Johansson, and Disney had a public back and forth this year regarding Johansson's legal dispute over Disney releasing Black Widow on Disney+, Plus. That looks to have not affected the status of the Dark Tower movie. As for Watiti, he is no stranger to working with Disney, and as he's now a, a monastery in the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and just wrapped up the production on Thor: Love and Thunder earlier this year. Uh, based on one of the Disney's classic and popular theme park attractions, the Tower of Terror film will be produced by Johansson her, uh, through. Her, well, matter of fact, it will actually be produced by Scarlett Johansson through these uh, picture banners alongside Jonathan Leah. The project comes after the success of Jungle Cruise, starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, who are both set to reprise their roles in the recent announced sequel. Johansson was recently starred in her last MCU movie as Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow. She is currently filming in Spain for her, her Wes Anderson film and will also next be an Apple Studios romantic action adventure called the film called Ghosted, which reunites her with a long time collaborator uh, for Chris Evans. So, you know, like I said before, I, I've been wanting to see a Tower of Terror movie for a long time. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the Steve Goldenberg movie with uh, back in the 90s on the Disney Channel and stuff like that. It was original property during that time. But it was a little too cheesy. It was a little too much. But what Taika does is, yeah, he gives you the cheesiness. He gives you that. But he also adds in the humor. He adds in the layers. He adds in the characters, the placement of the characters, and gives you characters that you can care about. Jojo Rabbit was a fantastic film. Also, too, um, the Thor Ragnarok movie was fantastic. I love Thor Ragnarok. But when you look at the tones, when you look at a movie like Tower of Terror, I can see him using those dark elements when he needs to use those dark elements. And I can also see him using that humor, that flavor, whenever it needs to be delivered. I can see him doing the lightness and darkness of of this movie and everything. So I can definitely see that going on. So like I mentioned before, I feel like Taika Waititi is actually one of the best ones to actually do the Tower of Terror and things like that whenever it becomes, a, of course, is a Disney property. And he's no stranger, like I said, to Disney properties. And also, too, with the home run that he had with Thor Ragnarok. He's also had a major success with Jojo Rabbit. And then, of course, he's d- just got done wrapping up Thor Love and Thunder, which I can't wait to see. But still, I think that he's actually the perfect director when it comes down to Terror Tower. But that's just my own opinion. Tell me what you guys think in the comments. So, with that being said, let's go on ahead and get into our next topic. David Chase on another of the Soprano series. He goes, I'm not anxious to do it. So let's just set, let's go on ahead, dive into this. The Soprano's creator, David Chase, is no stranger to the world of television. But in a recent interview, Chase said that if he were to revisit the world of Sopranos for a third time, it would be with another movie. Speaking with the Hollywood Reporter for an episode of the Awards Chatter show, Chase spoke about his recent released prequel to the iconic television series, The Many Saints of Newark. Towards the end of the uh, talk, Chase mentioned that thanks to the success uh, of the film found on HBO's streaming service, studios wanted Chase to do another series of The Sopranos, this time picking up from when the movie ends and lasting until the original series begins. He said, as quoted, I'm not anxious, I'm not that anxious to do it, Chase said, when asked how he felt about that. Chase was then asked what the chances of him doing that are. And he said that if it were to happen, he would uh, do one more movie rather than television series, because I have an idea for that I like to do, but I don't think that they want that. And I'm just going to be flat out and honest with you. The Many Saints of Newark, Newark was not as exciting as I wanted it to be. It wasn't that exciting at all, to be honest with you. I was let down by it completely. I didn't like the dialogue. It felt like a straight-to-DVD release. Also, too, nobody yet went over to the movie theaters to support The Many Saints of Newark or anything like that. I feel like David Chase forgets that the fact that this was a TV series people tune in every Sunday, including myself, and... They, it was basically a tradition. It was basically a ritual. Every single Sunday, you would tune in for these characters 
for an hour of your time and watch Tony do what he needs to do with the Mafia family, not only the Mafia family, but also, too, with his own family as well in the back and forth with Melfi and everything. I just feel like Chase feels like, I just feel like David Chase forgets where the Sopranos came from. I feel like that he thinks that this is going to be a gold mine of a gold mine of a uh, of a feature film and it's not. It was always a an hour TV show. That was it. It was never meant to be a movie. And I feel like after so many years of him being off this project and being detached from the Sopranos and stuff like that, he forgot forgot that this was an hour TV show. This was on HBO. This was a ritual that people would tune in for and watch for free versus going to a theater and watching it. And everybody decided, hey, I'm not going to go to the theater to check this out. I'm going to check this out on the streaming service on HBO Max because that's where I'm used to. That's where I do my rituals at. That's where I do my... That's where I always tune in to watch Tony and the gang and watch them do what they do. And I just feel like that he forgot where he, he came from uh, as far as the Sopranos go. But, you know, I just feel like, it, and I even said this, I feel like the Sopranos prequel movie should have been a miniseries leading all the way up to the time that we see them as grown adults. That's just me and my logic and the way that I'm thinking, but I, if you guys like many saints of Newark and everything, I do appreciate the fact that you liked it. But for me, it wasn't many saints of Newark was definitely not my kind of flavor. It was definitely not my favorite uh, Sopranos movie turned into a or anything like that. Like I said, I feel like David Chase forgets where The Sopranos comes from. I feel like he's been detached from the film, from the TV series for so long that he forgets that people used to tune in every Sunday to watch this show. So that's just my thought process process on it. So do me a favor, guys. If you guys are watching right now, comment in the live chat and everything. And just if you guys have any questions for me with anything regarding the Brandon Lee case, or if, if it's not, Comment in the live chat and we'll have a conversation back and forth about different things. It doesn't have to be the topics I've talked about. I talked about the Taika Waititi story about the Terror Tower and directing it. Scarlett Johansson is actually going to be producing it. And I believe she's going to be starring in it. So if you have anything like that, if you like that those uh, topics or anything like that, go on ahead, comment inside the live chat. If not, I'm going to go on ahead and do my ad read for Manscaped. And then after that, that's going to be it for the show. I know this is a little bit shorter than what I normally do, but, you know, it is what it is for tonight. But tomorrow night, we're actually going to be doing, um, I'm going to have Charlie back on the show tomorrow night. So this is just me being solo for tonight. I, so let's go on ahead and talk about Manscaped. <laughs> so Manscaped is brought to you matter of fact movie loves unite is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 joined over 4 million men worldwide who must who trust manscaped i bet tony soprano would actually use a manscaped to be honest with you i think that might be the biggest problem in the way that he's actually angry all the time, maybe he's angry because he doesn't have the below the waist line trimmings or anything like that for his family jewels or anything like that. So you need to invest in something. Manscaped is the best way to go. I use it myself with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code movie lovers unite at manscaped.com. And also too, I bet if he could just imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time his uh, his favorite time in the bathroom, he wouldn't even have a problem with anything. He would be like, hey, look, look at me. Look what I got down there, you know? But um, and then you go, hey, get this. I'm Like I said before, I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance, the craftsmanship, and details on the 4.0 are the next level. And also, too... I, I'm going to be honest with you. There, there was a time when it was like a dark place in my in my in my life. To be honest with you, where I used the wrong clippers, I got nipped in the wrong way, and it just looked bad. 
and everything. And I, and not only that, but it, you don't want your stuff to look like a cheetah pet. If it looks like a cheetah pet, you don't want to, you don't want nothing to go down there or anything like that. So uh, another thing too is this. Uh, Manscaped is also engineering the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibility, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge uh, ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a long, precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths, sizes one through four. That I mentioned, mentioned wireless charging. The new wireless charging system uses the electronic magnetic introduction, induction, which can help battery length last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer you've been doing, you're on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. No, nobody wants pubes in their mouth. You know, they want a nice smooth surface to where they can actually feel comfortable with your boys and being able to have mouth to mouth uh, precise, precise uh, with your, with their mouth. So anyways, no person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Even Tony Soprano himself would buy this. Get 20% off plus free shipping and handling with the uh, code movieloveunite at manscaped.com and your balls will thank you. So that's where you guys can go on ahead and get yourself a Manscaped. And like Brandy Mullen said, don't go down bumpy roads. Definitely don't want to go down bumpy roads. That's not good. And also, too, what and also to what in the shape of Scooby Doo? Okay, so <laughs> so anyways, um, so my favorite comic. Now, Brandy, my question is this: When you're asking me my favorite comic, are you actually asking me the um? You're actually asking my me my favorite comic book, or you're asking me my favorite comic book movie? So, if you're going to go with my favorite comic, I'm going to have to go with Batman or Reaper. For the simple fact that it's only a four-story issue, and basically it's where the Joker and Batman are actually poisoned, so therefore they have to find out who poisoned them and go to Paris, and they have to track down who poisoned them, and they have no choice but to rely on each other. So that's another one that I like. There's also the other one that uh, the other comic book that I really like. Of course, is Death in the Family. That's also a classic one. Uh, Court of Owls is also a good one for the New 52, even though that's no longer canon anymore. But also, too, another one that I really couldn't put down was Hush. Hush was a good one. And then, of course, if you want to go on and check out this one, it's called I Am Bane, which is also part of Batman Rebirth. And let me just tell you this. The battle between Bane and him was something to actually see within the pages itself because Bane is over there just kicking Batman's butt over and over again and Batman is just making him basically almost killing him basically but then there's a little bit of a plot twist where another character intervenes or whatever but that plot line of of I am Bane is really good. I definitely recommend that one. Uh another one that I recommend is Doctor uh, Doctor Strange comic and that is going to be The Last Days of Ma um, Magic, which is a really good uh, book. And also, too, there's also uh, there's also another comic, Doctor Strange, with Doctor Strange in it as well, with The Punisher. It's called Magic Bullets. That's also a good one. Also, too, Batman the Killing Joke is a fantastic comic. It's a classic comic. It's one of the comics that I actually own. Um, yeah, the books, the comic books are usually better, but... As for my favorite comic book movie and everything, I have to go with The Dark Knight with, um, of course, even though it's more realism than anything and not really comic booky or anything like that, Christopher Nolan did a fantastic job on that film. I like Christian Bale as Batman, but you can't beat Michael Keaton as the 1989 Batman. And also, too, he's going to be in this new Flash movie, so that's also another thing that I'm excited about as well. Um... But yeah, those are just that's just some of the stuff that I really liked. Um, but yeah, Nessa, uh, yeah, Bat, like I said before, Batman the Killing Joke, 
great comic. I definitely liked it. Heath Ledger did a wonderful Joker. Yes, he did. He did a damn good job. Also, too, Joaquin Phoenix did a good Joker. Now, some people may not like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, but for me, he did a great job as an Elseworld Joker in another uh, time setting. And I feel like Joaquin Phoenix did a good job capturing who the Joker is. And also, too, not relying on the stuff that Heath Ledger did, but making it making the Joker his own thing rather than doing a rehash of it. Because everybody has their own ways of actually doing making a character their own. And I'm glad that, the, that he managed to do a different version of the Joker and made it his own. Because it's easy to do copy and paste and do the same stuff, but it's hard to balance the two out. And I'm glad that he was able to do that. Jared Leto's Joker... I have to say, is here's the thing. It wasn't his fault because he wasn't given the time like we normally see with everybody else. And, you know, um, I feel like Jared Leto did a, better, uh, did a good job for what he had in front of him. It was not his fault. Even if somebody else was casted as Joker, we would still get that look of the Joker. We would still have that dialogue coming out of that voice of the Joker. So... That's just the way I look at it. Either way it goes, we're screwed anyways, based off of the fact that it's going to be the same dialogue, same look, same everything. So it didn't matter if they got another actor to play that version in the Suicide Squad or not. We would still be stuck with that same version that we had, regardless of the fact if um, Jared Leto was in it or not. But is there any other questions that you would like to know? Uh, the extended version for me for the Suicide Squad was a little too choppy. To be honest with you, Brandy, I feel like that at least with Batman versus Superman, you actually have some continuity to where it was cohesive, where you can actually understand that what's going on within the world on the extended cut. With this one, it was like, okay, well, guess what? You know what we didn't show you in the theater? Guess what? We're going to show you this right now. And then it goes into the origin of the Joker, the origin of Harley Quinn. And then it shows Har it's very copy and paste. It's like not even a cohesive extended cut. It's like different scenes that didn't add up to hell of beans. I'm just going to be honest. But from what I heard about this David Ear cut, and I'm hoping that they do release a David Ear cut, it's a more cohesive cut versus the cut that I got on my Blu-ray. Because they still left out a lot of stuff in the Blu-ray. Like, I can't wait to show you my toys, for example. I, I saw that in the trailer. It was not in the theatrical version, and it was not in the extended version of this one that I got. Now, as far as seeing him show up, the Joker show up, and Justice League, I love that, to be honest with you. I like that version of the Joker. I think Zack Snyder did a very good job at giving us a different take on the Joker with using Jared Leto. So I think that was a good way to reintroduce the Joker with Jared Leto without the tattoos, without the grills, and gave us a real dark uh, Joker. So, uh, what other questions that you want to, you guys want to ask me? I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions that you have for tonight, to be honest with you, since I'm actually doing this solo. Uh, but yeah, comic book movies is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Also, too, Thor Love and Thunder is going to be coming out next year and things like that. So I'm excited for that. Taika Waititi, like I mentioned before, just got done wrapping that up. And then, of course, he's doing uh, Terra Tower, which is based off the Disney ride. So that's something that I'm really excited about because I'm also a horror movie fan as well. But, uh, you know, there's just different things out there that I like. Um, what do you think of Labyrinth? I like Labyrinth. Labyrinth was actually a good movie. Nobody really, to be honest with you, Everybody seems to think that Labyrinth is basically overrated as a movie, but no, I, I really like Labyrinth for what it is. Labyrinth is actually one of those movies that I watch from time to time sometimes, and I always find something new whenever I watch it. I might actually do a review on that sometime. That's actually a good question. Thank you for, um, for asking me that. But, you know, um, tomorrow night, I'm actually going to be doing a movie. Uh, movies with the best endings for tomorrow night so that's going to be the the uh episode for tomorrow night is movies that had the best endings so if you guys want to tune in for that that's gonna be eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern 
time and six o'clock Pacific time for that one. Uh, Suicide Squad didn't show that abusive relationship between Harley and Joker. What would you have done to change and add that detail? To be honest with you, I feel like they should have done more with the verbal abuse. Sadly, I have to say it, but Joker is a douchebag. He's a he's a ball bag. I feel like, you know, in order for them to capture the Joker the way he is, you needed to show that abusive side and get that stuff um, a lot more fleshed out than what we did. And we didn't really see the abusive side of Joker in this movie. Yeah, he pushed her off the helicopter and stuff like that. We saw that kind of abuse. But it didn't take the small details. It didn't go ahead and do make it um, a more of a slower paced film to get us to that point. So this is what I would have done. I would have gotten rid of the stupid plot that we had with Enchantress doing the Macarena. I would have gotten rid of that. <clears throat> I would have actually got rid of uh, that because of the fact that you can do a simple, a simplest story of Suicide Squad without having to do all this other stuff with Enchantress. The main thing that I liked about the New 52 when regarding uh, everything was the fact that they were out there looking for the Joker and she winds up backstabbing the Suicide Squad so she can go find Joker. She winds up trying to sleep with uh, Deadshot to uh, to try and get him to, sne uh, to sneak her away and everything. And also, too, she sleeps with Deadshot. <clears throat> and the whole entire plot point is her trying to get the Joker. And if they would have went on ahead and make it that simplicit to where... <coughs> excuse me. To where, basically, you have... Her trying to get to um, get to the Joker, I think it would have been a better plot storyline. You didn't need to put Enchantress in there. You didn't need to have her doing the Macarena. You didn't have to go on ahead and do that. Make it a simplistic story rather than doing all this Enchantress stuff. The Enchantress stuff really bothered me in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, it was a giant mess of a film. And also, too... <laughs> I do agree. I think the Joker could have actually used a manscape. <laughs> uh, let's see here. In the comic, he's dropped her for from a 20-story building. Yeah, that is true. He has dropped her from a 20-story building, but also, too, he also dropped her from acid as well. So you, actually, so you know what kind of psychopath that he is to drop somebody from, uh, into acid to make him a part of her and everything, too. But I wish that they would have went more with that storyline of the New 52 outlook, because I like the New 52. They showed aspects of the New 52, which seemed promising in the stills, but when it comes down to the context behind it, it hadn't land so well. It didn't go so well for me and everything. I was just really feeling disappointed. I saw this movie twice in theaters. I saw it once in 2D and one in 3D, trying to fit, because here's the thing. If I don't like something, I always question why I don't like something. Because there has to be something for me not to like in order for me not to like something. I'm not one of those people like, well, that movie sucked. Well, thank you, Captain Moron. What, what didn't you like about the film? I'm not, a, I'm not three years old. Tell me what you didn't like. And explain to me what you didn't like about that film. Because I, I like to have a conversation. I don't like things to be one-sided. So therefore... With me, I always question why I didn't like something. For instance, with the new Halloween movie and stuff like that, that was basically because of the fact that the atmospheric um, thing that we got from the other Halloween, uh, from the 2017 or 18 Halloween movie. They had more of a slow pacing build. They gave us characters to care about. This one was more the atmospheric type of Halloween. This is more your uh, Jamie Lee Curtis 1970s. Um, Halloween film from the very first one that didn't have those tones that we got from the 2018 version, which I felt let down on. And with Suicide Squad, it just felt like something was missing. It just feels like that they should have had like a slower build to it. Make it simple. Don't make it too complex and go from that from there. They should have made, <laughs> they made me a director. Trust me, I probably wouldn't have been able to do a better job than what they could. Because chances is the studios probably went on ahead and stepped in, just like they did with Snyder, and pulled him from the... Well, basically, Snyder didn't get pulled from the project or get fired. His daughter committed suicide, and therefore, they got Joss Whedon to go ahead and um, got him to direct it versus Zack Snyder. And then once Zack Snyder saw the damage that they were doing with this film, it was too late. But then, of course, we got the Snyder's cut, which is 
a damn good movie, a better version. But still, uh, do you rewatch it uh, to make sure that's how you feel about it? Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, as a reviewer, to me, in order for me to say I don't like something, I have to rewatch something. Um, for me to to be able to know if I like something or not, even if my first viewing is not what I wanted to be, even though I have here's the thing when we go into movies, we always have our own theories, right? So because we have our own theories, because of that, we get in trouble. We, <laughs> we get in trouble big time because we're using our imaginations. We're going based off of canon stuff that's within the comic book realm. We're going based off of our own theories rather than just viewing the movie for what it is and checking our theories at the door. So that's where we get in trouble at is the fact that we use our own theories and then when our theories does not check with what we have in our little check box boxes, oh, that movie sucked. So the second top viewing that I go into a movie, I'll go on ahead and I'll watch the movie for what it is and then I'll judge it for what it is and go from there. But to judge a movie based on the fact that it didn't match up with your theories is wrong, you need to check that at the door. And even whenever I, those theories didn't match up for me on the right first viewing of a film and everything, I'll be like, okay, so this is where they're giving me. This is the universe that they created that they feel like is best for that universe. So I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to see what's going on. So all my theories is checked at the door. I'm watching the movie for what it is. Uh, matter of fact, I did watch the Suicide Squad recently because of the fact that the new Suicide Squad movie came out on HBO Max. Matter of fact, I have both of those reviews up on the YouTube channel as well. The the both spoiler reviews, but I did both of them. But if I had to put my money on which one I like better, it's the James Gunn movie. And it's not because of the fact that I like Guardians of the Galaxy or because I'm an MCU fan as well. Because I like MCU and I like the DC. I like both comics. I like both and everything. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm not one-sided on that. But, you know, to me... MCU has a better better quality films. We just have to see of Shang-Chi and all that other stuff. Because here's the thing. I haven't seen Shang-Chi yet. I haven't seen... Um, here's another thing. I haven't seen Shang-Chi. I haven't seen uh, Eternals yet. Also, I haven't seen Venom yet. Because of the fact that I just don't have the funds right now to be able to go out to the movies or anything like that like I want to so therefore I'm reviewing like all the films I'm having fun doing that right now and going from there but Loki got a mischief I love the Loki series though Loki series is fire I love the Loki series but you know when we go into a theater you know just going ahead use your own thought process whenever you watch a film ignore all the theories that you have and throw those out the window and watch the movie for what it is and like I said, there's sometimes whenever I go into the movie, I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. But if this is the universe that you gave me, I'm going to watch it anyways. And I never walk out of a movie. Believe it or not, as bad as a movie is, I never walked out. Even with Battlefield Earth. I never... <laughs> that movie's horrible with John Travolta. But I never walked out of a single movie. And the only time that I... Now, here's the thing. I did walk out of a movie because of the fact the date that I had had something personal going on. So therefore, I had to leave. So that was like the only time that I left the theater. It wasn't because the movie was bad or anything like that. I don't blame you for walking out of the Blair Witch Project, to be honest with you. Um, found footage films for me, you're not going to find that on this channel. You're not going to find any kind of found footage reviews. Although I did do the Blair Witch back in 2016 when the new one came out. I did a review for that. That's back whenever I was first starting up with the channel and stuff like that. But other than that, you're not going to find me doing um, all these found footage films and stuff like that. To me, that is garbage. I don't like found footage films. If people who are listening to my podcast and stuff like that, if you love found footage films, good for you. They're not for me. But I give you guys praise because you like something that I don't. But, um, you know, Blair Witch, to me, in 2016, I did see that in the theater. I like the mixing of it. I like the scenes where the characters are getting lost. The sound effects are really good. Shaky cams, no thank you. I'm out. <laughs> and I'm bored. I feel like I'm doing surveillance for crying out loud. 
whenever I'm watching found footage films, to be honest with you. Um, that's why I don't like paranormal activity. I feel like I'm doing surveillance and spying on this family that might have a paranormal event and everything, and I'm being the creeper and just watching them sleep, hoping that something might terrify them. But I remember falling asleep in the theater, not being entertained with it. I fell asleep watching uh, Paranormal Activity. The usher actually had to wake me up and tell me that it's time to go home. That's how bad it was. <laughs> but um, what else do you guys have questions on? I know that I've been ranting a little bit more on uh, found footage films and things like that. I like that. I like the interaction. I, I do. By the way, I just want to say I appreciate you and your daughter tuning in every night just about to watch my show. It means so much to me that you guys as an audience are enjoying my reviews or enjoying my show. So thank you. Um, Scooby-Doo overall again, this creeper. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Um, but yeah, I just, par paranormal movies suck. Uh, not par Well, paranormal activity movies suck. Let me just put it that way. Found footage movies suck to me but you know that's just my my thought process on that <laughs> um but yeah another thing too that i like that studios are starting to do now they're no longer trying to do reboots or stuff like or remakes anymore now they're trying to do like a retelling of a certain story versus doing remakes and reboots because i feel like that's what they can do is they can do continuations of other characters that we know and love and give them more things to do and more stuff to interact with. Uh, with the Conjuring franchise, I'm going to be honest with you. I like the first two Conjuring films. I wanted to like the third one a lot. I actually did that a review. I actually gave that a review as well on this channel. Third one, I was let down on. And even though James Wan was the producer on the film, it didn't feel like James Wan was the producer on the film. It just seems like they just left his name on the film to sell posters and that's exactly what they do sometimes just because you see for example produced by james wan does not necessarily mean that james wan was working on this film they slap a producer's name onto a poster to sell tickets and because of the fact that they sell t they have that name plastered on that poster people are going to go out and see it because it's a james wan film this one was not a james wan film and it said it was produced by James Wan. And his fingerprints, thumbprints, was not even on that movie at all. And I was let down by it. I didn't like the direction that they were going in with that film. I did not like what they did with it. I'm not going to get into uh, what I didn't did like or whatever. But I just, I was let down with that film this year. And I wanted, that was my anticipation. That was on my anticipated list of movies to see. And I was let down. And also, too, The Nun sucked. It was a paint-by-the-numbers kind of movie. The dialogue sucked. You have a French guy trying to hit on a nun who winds up being a, per a person in training to be a nun. And he's being like Pippi the Pew trying to hit on this nun oh, and everything. It just does not work. This And the only scene that I could say that I was really creeped out about with The Nun was the fact that all of a sudden this one person show, winds up in the coffin all of a sudden and that was it that was all of it and the con don't get me started on annabelle the annabelle stuff either because with the annabelle movie you have okay picture this you, you have something horrific that happens right uh where basically these little orphan girls are uh, are about to go to bed then all of a sudden you hear screaming going on. The possession's happening. The, this person goes up on the ceiling and then they're watching this happen now. Then all of a sudden the person winds up landing on the floor and dies. Then the ambulance comes over there, takes him away. The nun looks at them. Okay, go, kids, it's time to go to bed now. I'm like, what? Every single time when someone died, they would see someone die. The nun looks at the kids Okay, children, it's time to go to bed now. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. I may be the dumbest person on earth, but I would not be. After I saw that happen, I'm like, I'm not going to bed. I'm, I don't care if I'm going to be a little orphan Annie for the rest of my life, but I'm not going back in that house. And you can go on ahead and send me to another orphanage because I'm not going in there. But 
you know, I just I just don't like that film. That's just me. Um, but let's see here. No more James Bond films. So here's the thing. I like James Bond. Every, some some James Bond movies are hit and miss here and there. Daniel Craig, I'm excited for this new James Bond movie. I haven't seen this new James Bond movie at all. So I'm excited. I'm pumped up for it because it's Daniel Craig's last movie. This is like me watching um, watching the last Wolverine movie, watching Hugh Jackman go out in the sunset one last time. So I'm excited to see Daniel Craig do one more movie of James Bond to go out in the sunset and do his thing. So I'm excited for that. But James Bond, it need, it needs to be. A, I'm I'm excited for whoever plays James Bond next because there's different ways that you can actually do it. Uh, let's hear. Brandy Mullen said it's like the big-breasted woman running up to the second floor instead of getting out so, somewhere on that floor. Yeah, definitely, definitely feels like that with the Conjuring franchise. Um, uh, well, not for the franchise as a whole, but the spinoff films. But Conjuring one, Conjuring two, awesome. Love the development with that. Slow pacing, slow build-up. Once the tension is there, they let it go, and that's it. <laughs> she cannot shave. <laughs> that's what she said. But, um, but you know, I think that the James Bond franchise is a good franchise. It's just the direction that they want to take sometimes is not, may look good on paper, but when it comes down to the delivery on the screen, it could wind up falling flat in some areas. Uh but that's just my take on it. Um, like with Spectre, I didn't like this. I didn't like Spectre from the James Bond film at all. I thought Spectre was a real letdown, especially when you have Dave Bautista in the movie, which I thought was going to be the main antagonist, and instead it winds up being somebody else. No, thank you. That movie was a total letdown. I remember that was actually my worst movies of that year list. One of the, let's see, what would be one of your best franchises? Not the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the best franchise. I would have to go with um, the Back to the Future franchise. I would have to go with th those three films, even though that's not really considered a franchise in a sense, because even though it's only like three films. Uh, man, that is... If, I'll tell you what. If, you, if I wasn't live right now, I could probably answer that. Since you caught me off guard, which is a good thing, I might have to get back to you on that. Because... There's there's there is a franchise that I love, and it's not Transformers, and it's definitely not the Fast and the Furious movies, or anything like that. But oh, uh, Dave Bautista, let me just tell you this, and this is why I respect Dave so much as an actor, is the fact that he gets roles that are built for him. And he knows he's not the perfect actor. He even said that in an interview. He said, "I'm not the strongest actor." Or anything like that. But I get scripts that are better made for me. That I can do something with. And he acknowledges the fact that he's not the best actor. And that's one of the things that I liked about him. Is the fact that he acknowledges that. And he tries to act. And everything. And to be honest with you. I like. I, to be honest with you. I liked him in that new zombie movie. But Zack Snyder did. I thought he did a very good job with that. He gave us something different. Drax was funny. I do give him that. But when it comes down to who's the better actor as far as wrestling goes, you know, John Cena just came out of doing the Suicide Squad. I thought he was really good at delivering stuff from the Suicide Squad movie, but he still has a lot more work. With Dave Bautista, I have to say he's the better actor over John Cena. And then The Rock is number one. You have Dave Bautista as number two, and then John Cena coming at number three for me. Um, but yeah. Uh, a lot of wrestlers, here's the thing, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the only one that I can actually say that that can carry a film by himself and sell tickets. He has the charisma. He has the way of making you sink into the characters that he's playing. The movie that I loved him in was Faster. Faster was the one that got me sold out on him as an actor and stuff like that. Because of the fact that it was so different. He didn't have any dialogue. But it, there was a lot of staring. It was a lot. Because 99% of acting is not dialogue. It's actually looking at the camera. And the way, he, the way he looks at the camera. The way that people were scared of him. It was like John Wick. But jacked up John Wick. Uh, but it was The Rock. And everybody was scared of him. So I definitely like. As a matter of fact. That's actually my favorite franchise. Is, um, is John Wick. John Wick is actually one of my favorite franchises. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, 
I think that uh, that's going to be it. My voice is kind of going out on me, but I do appreciate the uh, back and forth tonight and everything. I really do. Thank you, uh, Randy and your daughter, Nessa. I do appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said before, it means so much to me that you guys enjoy this and watching me go horse and talk about manscaping in 30 minutes of my episodes. <laughs> but... You know, I just want to say how humbling it is to have you guys being able to watch. Also, too, to my listeners as well. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't wait for John Wick 4 to come out. I'm excited for that one. I'm also excited for the new Matrix movie and stuff like that. I even told Charlie this about the Matrix films. Because here's the thing. I like the first Matrix movie. And then the second one, I like aspects to it. The third one, eh, we're not going to talk about that one. But, you know, I want to say this whenever the fourth one comes out. I want to be able to say, you know what? I like the first one. I like the fourth one. We had two bad ones. That's all I want to say. To be able to give the Matrix a little bit more of a redemption than what we have. But that's just uh, how I see things and everything. But anyways, guys, go ahead. Do me this one big favor. Go over to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe and all that other good stuff over there. Also, too, don't forget to hit the right-hand uh, right corner of the screen to allow you guys to know what's going on here at Movie Lovers Unite. Like I said, we did a couple of trailer reactions and things like that. I also put on a teaser trailer for my interview on the 23rd of November for uh, Brent Scorpo. He's going to be on here. He's actually the former acting director for The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I, I you know what? Nessa, let me go on ahead. I do apologize. I do want to answer your Loki question. Let me see. Uh, let's see. No more James Bond. Have you seen it? Give me more insight on the Loki character development. Okay. So my question is this, Nessa. Have you seen uh, the Loki TV series or anything like that? That's my next question. Because if you haven't seen the Loki um, TV series on Disney+, Plus. I love that series. There might be one episode that sucked, but the rest of the series is fantastic. I'm just going to tell you that. Um, because here's the thing. When it came down to Loki in um, the last Avengers movie, I, I didn't have no emotional attachment to him. I didn't have um, any type of emotional attachment to Loki at all when he died. Did I want to? Yeah, I wanted to. But, you know, but what Disney Plus does is we they gave me a chance to be able to care about Loki. When he gets to this other realm, they have recorded documentation of everything he ever said. It's a, over a million page book. And he's being judged based off of everything he's ever done in his whole entire life. And then also, too, you have Owen Wilson in this thing. And guess, get this, he doesn't say, wow. There's no wow in Disney Plus at all for this series. And Owen Wilson does a fantastic job at actually foreshadowing in on Loki and just telling him what kind of a crummy person he is. And so when, um, <clears throat> so basically, Owen Wilson shows him everything through his whole entire timeline of everything he's ever done. Everything, every single person he backstabs, every single person that he's ever come across to and how much of a crummy person he is. Then you see it, see him start to change just a little bit to the point where you start caring about Loki. And then you get into the whole entire timeline of it being destroyed because of the fact that there's actually a lady Loki in this series and, you know, based off of this and my assumptions is him, even though they botched this now, but to me, it was about Loki trying to love himself as a person and trying to actually be the right version of himself. And that to me is good storytelling. They were able to give me something that I could care about. And what they did with, within six episodes, I believe, they did a fantastic job with that. Even though they say that these timelines are not going to link up, at some point, I want to believe that those timelines are going to sync up sometime. But Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is one of my favorite. To be honest with you, that's my anticipation, anticipated movie to see as well. 
to see how that gets played out. Also, too, with the new Spider-Man movie, how that's going to be played out. Because everything that's happened in Loki is repercussions of that being played into this new Spider-Man movie. Also, too, with WandaVision as well. And Wanda is also the Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch is also evil. And, yeah. So, you have that. <laughs> but, uh... If you want to check out some of our spoiler reviews for those, if you don't, since you don't have Disney Plus, we did a review on that too. Anime for me, Brandy, to be honest with you, I'm selective on anime. I watched a few animes before. Uh, I watched Death Note. Death Note is one of my favorites. Blue Metal Alchemist. I watched. Uh, then there was also uh, there was also this other one. Uh, I can't remember it, but I remember watching it. I watched My Hero Academia. I watched a little bit of that. But anime never really did anything for me at all, to be honest. Um, Black Butt Butler was good. I'm going to have to say that. But to me, Dead Note was my favorite anime. That's what got me into like the horror aspect and the mystery aspect of anime. And it takes a very special anime for me to watch. I can't just say, you know what? Let me go and turn on an anime. No. I, there has to be something to where I can watch, to where it will entice me to watch. I'm not one of those casual, everyday anime kind of guys. But I do have friends that are, are has expertise in anime, that loves anime. I'm just not one of those um, people. But um, also, too... Like I said, there's also this other one, I forgot what it's called, but it's like a demon, um, he's a demon, but a human, and he has to, he also has a father who was a priest, but the, but let me just tell you this, the the anime that got me into some anime was also, uh, let me think, Van Helsing, Van Helsing was one of those animes that was one of the first animes that I watched. And it was because of a disturbed music video that a fan made. That's what got me into uh, into it as, and everything was that. Uh, Studio Ghibli has the best anime for kids. You know, baby, I to be honest with you, I never watched anything from Ghibli. I might have to. Uh, Blue Devil. Yeah, I haven't seen Blue Devil or anything like that. But that might be something that I might actually look into. But that's going to be it as far as this show goes and everything. Like I said before, <clears throat> my voice is going out on me. But, guys, we're going to be back tomorrow night. Towards the end of the show, if you guys want to talk to us or talk to us about some of the endings that you liked or anything like that, go on ahead tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time. Also, too, if you want to donate to the page, how do you do that? Just go on ahead and go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Movie Lovers unite podcast the link is in the description below if you want to donate five to ten dollars to our podcast you don't have to like i said before simple like and simple share goes a long way especially that subscribe button goes a long way for us here at movie lovers unite also too if you guys want to reach out to us just go on ahead reach out to us at movie lovers unite at gmail.com also too you guys can go on ahead and follow me on twitter at movie lovers unit over there also do some videos and stuff like that for tiktok as well and you can follow me underneath Movie Lovers Unit Zero over there. And that's everywhere that you can reach me at. And it's been a pleasure, guys. I can't wait to do this again. And always until next time. It's been real. It's been fun. And I can't wait to do this again. Thank you again, Brandy. I do appreciate it. And always until next time. Bye-bye.